Billy got picked on at school for things he couldn't change. He tried his best to play it cool, but in the seventh grade, you either fit right in or you don't fit. That's just the cold hard truth. I wish that I'd have been the friend that Billy never knew. I think it's time to come together. You and I can make a change. Maybe we can make a difference, make the world a better place. Look around and love somebody. We've been hateful long enough. Let the good Lord reunite us to this country that loves undivided. Yeah. Welcome back. Top of the second hour of today's Road Warrior Radio broadcast this Monday, March 13th, 2023. And uh, unpacking some things, know our, knowing ourselves, knowing our enemy. Do we have an enemy? The Constitution says that, uh, you know, we're, we are supposed to, as public uh, servants, supposed to take an oath to pr- protect uh, the Constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic and it seems history tells us that the no, the domestic enemies are those that are more of more concern typically than the foreign because there's that quote attributed to Cicero uh, that says the traitor you know comes in our voice and our face usually from the inside, masquerading as us, the counterfeit, indistinguishable from the authentic. The other guy, the foreign enemy, we see him coming. So, maybe we should be looking closer at home. I want to talk for a minute about the subject of happiness and joy. You know, this idea of philanthropy and the humanitarian we have isn't it interesting as we get the proliferation of philanthropists and humanitarians and think tank you know do-gooding think tanks and so on and so forth and all these people that want to spend these massive fortunes the bill gates for example you know we're going to do all this good it sounds good on the face of it, but I think Isabel Patterson makes a compelling case that all that glitters might not be gold. Maybe it's not as good as we're led to believe. So what constitutes happiness? I mean, you know, after all, Isn't it written in our founding documents that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and proper – I mean the pursuit of happiness? That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. My understanding is that's still in our founding documents, you know, the Declaration of Independence, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands, which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect Do we still have a decent respect, by the way? To the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. But what constitutes happiness? John Stossel did a video recently, which is, I think he does some fantastic stuff these days. The Science of Happiness, uh, back in December, 
of 2022. This was published. And the description reads, people are often born happy or unhappy due to wiring in our brains. But fortunately, there are things that all of us can do to become happier. I don't know that I agree with that, but it's an interesting little piece that he put together. And there's one section that I am most interested in here as relates to what we've been discussing on today's broadcast. We'll get to that. First, let's listen to Stossel's piece, The Science of Happiness. Can we play that, please? You can be fulfilled and happy. What's the key to living a happy life? Good question. What is the key? It's like breathing. Happiness researchers say a lot of happiness is genetic. I once reported on these sisters, the Giggle Twins. (laughs) They laughed so much. It was a strain to be with them. (laughs) It wasn't anything their parents did. The sisters had been separated at birth. They didn't even meet until their 30s. But they were similarly happy all the time. Oh, my beloved sister. (laughs) We find other twins that are remarkably low on such characteristics. Twins researcher Thomas Bouchard. We're looking at about a 50% effect of genetic influences. There are certain brains that are more predisposed to experience happiness compared to other brains. You're just born with it. Just born with it. Psychiatrist Richard Davidson says babies who smile a lot have more electrical activity on the left front part of their brains. And a brain scan can test adults' capacity for happiness. My results were not good news. You're not a hopeless case, but, uh, you know, you can stand some improvement. Someone like you can become happier if you want to. Professor Sonia Lubomirsky, who researches happiness today, says everyone can do things to become happier. Just social life, socializing is hugely associated with being happy. But I'm an introvert. I don't want to socialize. Okay, we actually did a study where we asked both introverts and extroverts for one week to act more extroverted. They told test subjects, talk to some strangers, like a barista at a coffee shop. We thought that it would be kind of exhausting for an introvert like you. And introverts in the study did resist. They were like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to listen to my music. I want to read. But they were told. On your next commute on the train, you have to talk to someone. And they did. And it made them happy. When we asked people, what makes you happy? Most said, being social. Being with friends. Spending time with family. family. Yep. Spending time with my children. You don't need to be super outgoing, says Lubomirsky. You can just kind of be a little bit more social than you otherwise are. You know, call up an old friend. Calling an old friend matters more if the friend doesn't get many calls. Doing something kind makes the doer happy. An act of kindness at a St. Pete Starbucks drive through inspired an 11-hour chain of paying it forward. Here's a case where such kindness expanded. A customer at this coffee shop quietly paid for the person in line behind her. That person then did the same thing. In all, 378 people decided to pay it forward. It makes you feel like, oh, the world is a good place. While Lubomirsky's studies found extroverted behavior increased happiness, those she asked to do something kind for others, like pay for someone's coffee, they did even better. Other researchers gave people an app that periodically asked, are you happy now? And what are you doing now? At the top, intimacy, making love. Not shocking. The key to happiness is is connecting with others. After making love, the happiest were mostly group activities like cultural events and sports, but also some solitary things. Maybe I'm just looking for an excuse to get out of social events, but I notice gardening, a walk in nature. These aren't group activities, social activities. That's true. Anything that you can do to sort of improve your sort of sense of personal growth makes people happy. So you need to kind of find what works for you to bring you happiness, and that's going to be different for different people. Down near the bottom of the list of activities were texting and social media. Things we do a lot. We're not crazy. We're doing it because we think we're getting something out of it. There's, I think, pretty good evidence of harm from smartphone use. Especially for young people. Keep your hands high if you have some kind of streak going, any streaks going. One Snapchat feature is streaks. Now, a streak is made when you and another Snapchatter have snapped each other for at least two days in a row. Streaks are popular. 
But oddly, at this high school, when a speaker asks, Keep your hands high if you like streaks. Almost all hands go down. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> the speaker happens to be my son, who gives talks at schools about social media. Isn't it wild that so many of us are doing something that we don't actually like doing? We did a study where we asked people to give up their smartphones as much as they can uh, over the course of eight days. And we found that people who did reported being more satisfied with their life, more kind of present and attentive, less lonely, less stressed out. And which Americans are happiest? Several researchers said the Amish. The Amish give up not just cell phones, but even electricity. Are they really happy? We once persuaded some to take a happiness quiz, and sure enough, all rated themselves happy or extremely happy. Why? One Amish woman gave this answer. You have lots of cousins, maybe 100 or 150, that would always be there to take care of you if you have a need. In addition to having lots of family around, the Amish obviously are religious. Religious people are happier. Religious and spiritual people are happier. I think Jesus gives me the power and the ability to be happy. Finally, happiness is not the only important thing in life. Unhappiness can spark creativity. Just to kind of walk through life happy is to miss 90% of life. Conductor Rick Westerfield says he's happy, but he's also troubled. I think that's what helps me be a musician. You kind of feel all this angst in the music, all this pain in the music. Van Gogh cut off his ear and produced his famous self-portrait. Beethoven was so unhappy, he was sometimes suicidal. Yet he gave the world Ode to Joy. Thanks for watching this. There you go. Interesting stuff, eh? You know, there's a certain aspect of this that is very, um, as I have said lately, really the the battle that we face is at the meta level. It's meta and schema and um, combined in the, in the Bible. Those words are... Uh, metaschematizo. In other words, metaschematizo is a combination of, of uh, the Greek roots meta and schema. And there's a very alchemical uh, concept at work there. That's something that I intend to get to a little more later. But let's talk about a practical example before we dive into uh, defining terms. <clears throat> Some practical examples you know, the, the Amish are happiest, it seems. Why? They don't just give up these things. What, what is it about this? Is it, could it be that they're not sucked into the hive mind? Could that be it? Could it be that they are not subject to the tyranny of the, uh, the assimilation to the Borg, the communitarian impulse? I want to... Uh, give you one practical example before this segment ends. Again, John Stossel, this time, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. This is a practical illustration of of this kind of stuff. And Michael Schellenberger uh, talks about his book, San Francisco, about the destruction of San Francisco by the progressive mindset. So this one is Why Progressives Ruin Cities. Go ahead, please. Chop shops, uh, drug trafficking, the garbage, rats. San Francisco has become San Francisco? The town I love is sick, John. Michael Schellenberger says his ideas wrecked his town. I moved out to San Francisco when I was a young radical to work on political causes. And while I still support a lot of that work, it just went too far. Brazen thieves emptied out the Louis Vuitton store in Union Square. Come on, Come on, Right now, John, you can go into a drugstore and steal $950 worth of items, and nobody will do anything. They won't enforce the law against you. Join me. That happened because San Francisco's politicians had a noble idea. Join us in rejecting the notion that to be free, we must cage others. California passed something called Proposition 47. It eliminated penalties for many crimes. Instead of investing in prisons, Proposition 47 would divert $1 billion to K-12 education, mental health, and drug treatment programs. 
America does lock up a higher percentage of our people, disproportionately black people, than any other country. Prop 47 getting a lot of support from a lot of celebrities. No more schools, less prison. That's Jay-Z at one of his concerts talking about the importance of Prop 47. The jails are overcrowded. People don't get better being in jail. A lot of the people who steal maybe just needed the stuff. The state made a decision. We're not going to lock you up. None of us want mass incarceration, but that was a recipe for disaster. Knowing they won't be jailed, thieves steal right in front of security guards. In addition, San Francisco's filled with little tent cities where drug users light up in public, confident no one will interfere. Cheryl Mott, she says she's been on the streets of San Francisco because of how easy it is for her to buy and use drugs here. But even she wants the city to do something. Uh, my opinion, they need to crack down down here. You smoke a crack every day, you say? For 12 years, out here. Yeah, because it's more lenient out here. I'm from San Jose. If I went to San Jose to this, I'd be in jail. Other cities do treat people like her differently. They don't let people use drugs in public, and they built sufficient homeless shelters. Bizarrely, some San Francisco activists argue against shelters, saying... Everybody has the right to their own apartment, but that's completely crazy because it costs... $750,000 to build a single-unit apartment in San Francisco. I once reported that San Francisco's regulation increased homelessness by limiting the size of buildings. My video said that was one of the big reasons for this. It's not true. It's not true. I mean, if it were true that expensive places made for homelessness, then why don't we see large open-air drug scenes in Carmel why don't we see large open drug scenes in many fancy neighborhoods? Homelessness is just a function of whether or not you allow people to camp in public or not. And in Carmel, the police kick them out? Yeah, of course. I'm more sympathetic to the argument that people have a right to be outdoors. And we don't have a right to force them off the street if they aren't directly threatening anybody. We should defend those rights because that's part of our freedom. But you don't have a right to shoot heroin at the public park. We allow drinking in public. We actually regulate it very firmly. The only thing that's worked is to have consequences for people's behaviors. But in San Francisco, the consequences often fall on innocent people. Cars are broken into an average of 74 times a day. The people in charge aren't embarrassed? The San Francisco officials I talk to are very embarrassed. They're very defensive. They don't know what to do because there's a very powerful progressive constituency that insists that people who are categorized as victims should not have to follow the law. These progressive activists, these were you. You were one of them. I was. I was a progressive activist for a very long time, and only recently in researching this book did I decide I couldn't use that label anymore. His new book says progressives ruin cities. Progressivism has become the abdication of personal responsibility. Well, it's pretty much always meant that. Were you, were you dumb then and you've wised up? <laughs> uh, you, you got me a little bit. I mean, uh, yes. It's time that the reign of criminals who are destroying our city, it is time for it to come to an end. Even San Francisco's progressive mayor has now changed her mind. While I worked on this video, she announced that from now on, San Francisco's policing will be more aggressive. And less tolerant of all the bullshit that has destroyed our city. We'll see what they really do. Now, I don't think people should be locked up for being homeless or using drugs. But when people steal or threaten other people, they should be punished. Protecting us is one of the few things government is supposed to do. Thanks for watching go. our video. You and that takes us just about to the end. Ah, the old cliche. A, if you are not a liberal at 25, you have no heart. If you are not a conservative at 35, you have no brain. It seems a lot of folks, you know, the, um, the Bill Mars and so forth are proving the cliche true. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break.
homeowners? Are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Which will conclusively prove George Soros' role in orchestrating the pandemic. But first... Dear Patriots, the truth train has brought us a conspiracy in our own backyard. Now, you may think you know the story. Now, it's like I always say, there's a whole lot of bullshit out there. So I'd like to give Soros, Pelosi, the Zionists, the Mexican, the Snowflakes, and... Stay strong, truth tellers. Stay strong. Stay strong. You're listening to RBN in defense of the Republic. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Forget your troubles and just get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Sing hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. We're going to the promised land. We're heading across the river, wash your sins away in the tide. It's all so peaceful on the other side. Forget your troubles and just get happy You better chase all your cares away Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy Get ready for the judgment day Welcome back Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness You know, Solomon, um, God said, ask anything you want And he, he, uh, he asked for wisdom And the guy who in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, observed, and I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realized that this also is striving after the wind. It's all vanity and striving after the wind. He he said, because in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge results in increasing pain. I think this again sort of correlates to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's something, there's a recurrent theme there. But this guy also observed a couple of interesting things. Speaking of the pursuit of happiness, in Ecclesiastes 3.22, 
He said, I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot, for who will bring him to see what will occur after him? And speaking of the happiness of the Amish, to which uh, we heard uh, John Stossel speak in the video, The Science of Happiness, they seem to be happy in their activities. If you want some great furniture made or you want a great house built, you call these people, and they are happy to um, they are happy to accommodate. They're happy in their activities, and they're not caught up in all of the other nonsense. Not to to mention, uh, they are sort of expected to take care of themselves and their family units, for example. There is no UBI coming for the Amish. And, you know, if all of this, the great mechanism of George Bernard, George Bernard Shaw's society collapses, they are a little troubled by it because they really have no need of it. So I think it's interesting that, you know, and speaking of Solomon, the last, the last observation in Ecclesiastes is really this, but beyond this, my son, be warned, the writing of many books is endless and excessive devotion of books is wearying to the body. Again, I think this alludes to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, for that matter, we could say, you know, people talk about, I mean, even the, even the Christian impulse that would say, well, let's write a book, let's write about something It'll be helpful. We'll leave things behind. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is to make no graven image. How far do you take that? And someone might say, well, there is this this thing in this age, this deception or this counterfeit or whatever, and we should alert our fellow man to this. Well, my argument to that would be in Christian terminology, can you – do you think you can do it better than the Holy Spirit? I don't think any of us can outdo the Holy Spirit. So as well-intentioned as we might be, we find ourselves kind of going down the same path as the utopians. It's interesting. You know, I remember Ron Paul back in, I think it was the interview with, uh, what's his name? Um, the Meet the Press interview with um, Tim Russert, Ron Paul. And Ron Paul said, I think they, you know, speaking of basically the utopians and the humanitarians, the communitarians, this was back in 2007, I believe. Ron Paul said, I think they they believe what they say. And I think that's a true statement. I think they believe what they say. They think the utopian vision is the only way to, you know, it's the road to the salvation of mankind. It is a religious devotion for them. But Solomon observed the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. So an interesting sort of juxtaposition. I want to get to the unpacking of the three things that I mentioned last week and didn't get to. I will get to those in the last uh, little bit here. So back to Hayek's Road to Serfdom. We'll define some terms also in conclusion. So stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. 
Real talk. Real people. Because you can handle the truth. Extendivite, a seven-herb combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. Extendivite is designed to strengthen the heart and arteries and help the body heal itself. Doctors are not able to explain the improvements they are seeing in their patients' health who are taking Extendivite. People who once needed more pills are now taking less and getting better. Due to the unexplainable improvements in their patients' health, more doctors are calling to order Extendivite for themselves. Help Extendivite make your doctor a believer. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science-analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Call it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. Thank you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Welcome back. My brother. All right. Before we press on, let's go to the phones real quick quick and grab Lynn in Maryland. Lynn, thanks for calling. Welcome. Thank you, Chris, and I'll, I'll be Welcome. fast. I, I don't want to get you off track. Um, when it comes to the Anabaptists, um, mm-hmm. I think I brought up Mass book about infotainment. One of the things that he goes into in the book is how... Um, Mennonite groups, especially when they, the churches that got away from not having radios and TVs in their house, 
mm-hmm. um, by the next generation, people had dropped out. Their mm-hmm. kids dropped out of the church and just became liberal. Um, and they're finding the same thing with, uh, especially with um, computers and cell phones, to where they have like a, a whole way, kind of a workaround if if people need to use phones. But it's actually individual to church, you know, community or whatever it's called, how they do their churches. So, and and um, when it comes to data mining, you ought to read the article in the Post that um, Sarah Bornstein wrote about Colorado and them doing. Um, they paid for big data um, to track priests. But there's a seven-day Venice ministry in Colorado that's doing the same thing to get other people. So somebody's doing some great marketing for the big data companies do you in know, Colorado. But that's, do you know the title of uh, the article, by chance? Yeah, yeah, it was on the front page of the Post. Grinder app data mine to expose gay priests, and it's actually the front page and two inside pages of the paper, full pages. And the author is um, Michelle, not Michelle Bornstein. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thank thank you. Mention the mention the book one more. I think that was kind of fast. Okay, I, the book isn't right here with me, but mm-hmm. it's information. Technology, but it's like infotainment, and the author's name is Mast, M-A-S-T. I was trying to find it in Yoder Select Books catalog, but I can give you their number if you want it. I just thought, you know, for posterity's sake, it's good to throw all that stuff yeah, in. Yeah, I tried to find it in this catalog. Um, and then, oh, Where's my Rod and Staff catalog? You can get it from Rod and Staff, too. That's probably where I bought it originally was Rod and Staff, but I don't have their catalog right with me. I can call back and leave it with Julie if you want. Sure. Or, or you can uh, just – I can mute myself, go on with your call, and when you – I'll go get the book, and if you want me to give it to you, just speak up when it's time. Just give me a minute or two to get the book. Okay? Uh, and I'll mute sure. so I won't be yeah. inter- interrupting Julie you. Julie can take you down, and whenever you're ready, just – let us know. and So it's one book, it's not two that you're it's talking about? It's one book. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the only thing I disagree in the book is towards the end when it gets into stuff about end times in the book of Revelation. Other than that, it's, it's an exceptional book. He's very good. Well, you know, I think uh, people appreciate the sharing with one another. I know that from time to time, if we if we breeze over these things... Um, you know, somebody invariably, it seems like Murphy says somebody will ask later. So I think it's helpful for posterity's sake to throw that in. Okay. So, yeah, take your time. Uh, Julie, do you want to, I guess, bring Lynn down if you can? And when she's ready, just let me know and we will do that. So, you know, I talked a little bit about happiness sort of alluded to happiness and joy we've we've sort of kicked happiness and joy around a little bit i think we're missing happiness and joy um again i think that i'm not being glib when i say that to me uh, ecclesiastes 322 is kind of the meaning of life in a sense Uh, you know, when Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, apart from Jesus Christ, obviously, Bible says that he was the wisest man who ever lived before and after. Interesting how, you know, Solomon doesn't really get included in some of the, I don't know, eclectic, Religious, you know, discussions, the the wisdom discussions, un, until you get up to a more esoteric and I would say dark level, you know, Gnostic, uh, the Gnostic circles obviously include, and Masonic, which is synonymous at a certain point, um, include discussions of Solomon, but he sort of gets left out, and it's interesting. The Bible says that he was the wisest man who ever lived. Before and after himself. 
But this guy says, I have seen that nothing is better than that man should be happy in his activities, for that is his lot, for who will bring him to see what will occur after him. And this word um, happy um, you know, also is is to me a crossover. The the um, the uh, Hebrew root Strong's H eight zero five five Samach, um, according to Strong's. It's kind of a it's kind of a crossover term, it seems, you know where in the in the King James, uh, the verses phrase thusly. Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see? What shall occur after him? If you think about this concept of happiness and joy real quick, you know, just in simple terms, happiness is, shall we say, temporal, fleeting, uh, conditional, those kinds of things. Joy is more uh, long-lasting, less capricious, less subject to circumstance. And so you can imagine that if you have a pursuit, I mean, you think of the the stories of the folks who seem like they are working in terrible conditions and yet they seem to rejoice in their works, as Solomon said, versus the person who seems to have it all and is miserable, can do whatever they want and yet can't figure out what to do with themselves and have basically removed themselves from the surroundings of their fellow man and have uh, become reclusive and uh, sort of strange in the process. Anyway, the the definition of this Hebrew root, H8055, is uh, – and it's used in a variety of um, ways in the King James – rejoice, glad, joy, joyful, merry – but the definition from Strong's is to rejoice, be glad, to rejoice or exult, uh, to cause to rejoice, gladden or make glad. These are good things. And I think one can imagine that in a society where you are left to um, as Hayek puts it in the Road to Serfdom Chapter 1, the abandoned road you were left to this idea that the respect for the individual man qua man the recognition of his own views and tastes as supreme in his own sphere however narrowly that may be circumscribed uh, and it is desirable that men should develop their own individual gifts and bents that concept you know, sounds like there is the fulfillment of the person sort of inbuilt in the concept versus a society trending toward uh, a more collectivist mindset where the person doesn't exist apart from the the group. That that sounds miserable. You are at best a cog in a machine, and you really don't exist in that society. And the thing that is perhaps most fascinating about, about all of this, again, it gets back to this idea of meta-schematizo is, you know, and the – this is uh, the Strong's G3345 term that is made up of the roots meta and schema to change the figure of, to transform. Again, it's – you know, there is a – in a in a in a nefarious sense, there's an alchemical chaos magic sort of 
aspect to this. And so these societal models that I'm talking about, they rely they rely on and they require the belief of of the the um, citizens that make up that society, and that's part of the magic, the dark magic that is being deployed i think in our society today anyway back to the phones lynn you're ready right yes i'm ready right go ahead (laughs) okay sorry about that i was muted Mm -hmm. facing infotainment technologies evolution Um, beyond human was the what was the last part Evolution Beyond Human, mm-hmm. in its second edition, I don't and the remember author is Daniel Ray Mast, M-A-S-T. I don't remember you mentioning that. Okay, and I got it from Rod and Stiff Publishers, if you want their number website. Um... Yeah, I think you can... 888-763-7447. I'll say it again. 888-763-7447. They're great folks. You've never seen anybody pack a box better than Ron and staff. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you you very much, Chris. And uh, their website is rodandstaff.com. Okay. Okay. Right? Isn't it? Um. I believe so. I think so. Probably, but um, I gave the phone number. I don't. I'm not sure. It's not coming up right here, right? This we'll come back to that if it's if it's necessary to change it. Maybe that I, I'm pretty sure that's right. But if not, we'll figure it out and correct it later. Okay. Bless your heart. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Okay, thank Much you, appreciate Chris. Bye. Bye bye. Back to the phones in the interest of time. Pat in Texas. Thanks for calling. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Uh, I'm sorry I had something to do earlier, but um, I wanted to uh, say something about uh, people uh, being happy in their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think all the details like Lynn just did. But I read one time uh, that whoever was under Hitler, uh, they put the Jews to uh, uh, pounding and and moving rocks to a certain place for certain jobs, you know. But one time they did an experiment, and they they made them move the rocks to a certain place, and then they made them move them back to where they were. And they all got very depressed, almost sick. (laughs) They were doing something, you know, when they were... Mm -hmm. uh, Blaming, but when it was useless, it it didn't it didn't it wasn't the same. Oh well, I haven't looked it up. I just I just remembered it because of what you're saying about uh, being happy. Uh, the, uh, the Ecclesiastes uh, three twenty two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Appreciate Bye. it. So speaking of this, you know, happiness versus misery and joy as a more constant, more eternal state of happiness, shall we say? Um, you know, again, I think of Hayek's Road to Serfdom, Chapter Ten: Why the Worst Get on Top, and this idea of the tractor beam of this system. You know, this this utopian socialist system that says we're going to help people we have these great plans it all starts with planning as hayek points out in the road to serfdom um you know chapter four is titled the inevitability of planning and inevitability is in quotes and chapter three incidentally is uh titled individualism versus collectivism individualism and collectivism excuse me but you have these um, these three main reasons that Hayek outlines why the worst get on top. He says there are three main reasons 
why such a numerous and strong – well, I should back up actually and explain, and I will do that in the next segment. We're about to run into a break. That socialism can be put into practice only by methods which most socialists disapprove is, of course, a lesson learned by many social reformers in the past. And so they were unwilling wholeheartedly to employ the message, methods to which they had pointed the way. They still hoped for the miracle of a majority's agreeing on a particular plan for the organization of the whole of society. Others had already learned the lesson that in a planned society, the question can no longer be on what do a majority of the people agree, but what is the largest single group whose members agree sufficiently to make unified direction of all affairs possible. And then everyone gets swept up in this. So we'll talk about that more when we come back. Final segment coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back after this break. John Moore's private consultations are the most comprehensive services available any place, anywhere in the world. They're available now and provide valuable knowledge and information that protects an individual, family, or group. We provide clarity, focus, and information for you and your associates for any situation. We have just the right knowledge, just the right information from just the right professionals. Schedule your consultation for your family or group now. Contact us at thelibertyman.com. That's thelibertyman.com. Once again, thelibertyman.com. What does it say about a society who elects people who can't quote their own founding documents? I'm Peter Serafine with this week's Liberty Minute, brought to you by Right to Bear Insurance. Use code LIGHTHOUSE at protectwithbear.com, just in case you ever need to use your Second Amendment right to bear arms. We all had fun with resident Biden having a little brain fart quoting the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> you know the thing. Last weekend, Vice President Harris did something far more sinister. She intentionally left out life in listing our unalienable rights. Clearly, she did this because she was speaking to a pro-abortion group, but that doesn't explain her first omission. The second, before omitting life as an unalienable right to pander to the crowd, she left out God to create the new progressive version of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Our rights do not come from an all-powerful government, and that is what makes the United States the greatest nation in the history of the world. We are doomed to tyranny if we allow our politicians to forget or ignore that. Find more news and commentary at liberty-lighthouse.com. Until next time, Sebas Pashem, Parabellum. Hello, I'm Peter Serafine, and I'm the new host of National Intel Report on Thursdays here on Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm a gun-owning constitutionalist who believes that the only role of government is to protect my rights. I believe the First Amendment makes us free. And the Second Amendment keeps us free. If those ideas sound good to you, then join me in the National Intel Report, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Republic Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. Perhaps the final segment of today's Road Warrior Radio broadcast, perhaps the most salient point to be made in Hayek's Road to Serfdom is similar to Isabel Patterson's God of the Machine, um, that the utopians put themselves in the place of God. Same kind of thing. You know, when you think about it from a Christian perspective, uh, people are left to their own devices, so to speak, because we are not God. There are curious examples of this. One of the best, I think, is Joseph in the Bible. And you read about this in Genesis chapter 45 and Genesis chapter 50 in particular. If you're familiar with the story, you know that uh, Joseph was thrown down the well by his brothers. He has a dream. He says, you guys will bow down and serve me. He's their youngest. He's their youngest brother at the time, and and therefore, you know, they don't like hearing this. Obviously, so his ten brothers throw him down the well and pull him up, only to sell him into slavery. Years later, Joseph is second in command in all of Egypt, and <clears throat> he says to his brothers in in uh, Genesis forty five, "Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life." For the famine has been in the land for these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me. He reiterates this. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He says this three times, makes the point. And then in Genesis 50 Verse 19 and 20 say, But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant it, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. The Christian perspective is one that leaves everyone to their own devices, so to speak, because he is God and his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. So we don't know, but the utopians want to play God, and the planned society puts them in the place of God. And as that coercive power is applied increasingly, it becomes more tyrannical and miserable. I didn't actually get to the three points. I will do that tomorrow. I've been talking about doing that for a week. But in any case, I hope it was informative, and as always, it truly is an honor and a pleasure. Take care. God bless. We'll catch you on the other side. Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC. 417-932-6419. You're listening to Real Talk Radio. Only on the Republic Broadcasting Network.